And this has been the descriptor of what we're seeking to become. Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 22. I'm going to read through chapter 6, verse, uh, I think, 2. Please hear these words from the Lord. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, today's word, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, who you live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And the phrase means tempted to pride. People of God, these are the words of God. Let me just read a couple quick verses about gentleness, and then I'd like you, with you if you'd be willing, with someone near you, what does, it, what does gentleness mean to you? So here's some of these scripture verses. Jesus said, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. St. Paul writes, am I to come with you a stick, or should I come with love in a spirit of gentleness? He writes, I appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Jesus. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who are received the Spirit should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. St. Paul writes, we were gentle among you like a nurse tenderly caring for her children. He writes, but as for you, people of God, be gentle, not quarrelsome. Do not be a lover of money. He writes, be gentle, show every courtesy one to the other. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life works that are done with gentleness. And finally, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure, peaceable, gentle. Could I ask you, what does it mean to be gentle biblically? When one of the fruit, one of the expressions of this life of Christ is gentleness, what does gentleness mean? So if you're willing, and if you choose, could like for like two minutes, what does gentleness mean to you? And Ron and Kathy, I'm going to talk about you in the service, expressing sympathy to you, okay? Well, remember that. We have a, just, just, let me stop right now. We've had a tremendous amount of horrific pain in our church family this week. Just a lot. At the end of the service, we're going to sing All the Poor and Powerless. And after that song, I'm going to recite the names of the people in our church family who've lost loved ones. Invite us to pray for them in a spirit of gentleness. So just, we're going to pray for you in a few moments, okay? And many other families as well. So what's gentleness? If you're willing to talk with someone, please give it a shot. And if you don't want to, you don't have to pretend you're doing something else. On your marks, get set, go. What's gentleness? Give it a shot. All right, so you worked on the definition of gentleness. Let me ask you, this past week, how gentle have you been? On your marks, get set, go. How come it's so quiet in here? <laughs> come on, you gentle people. How have you been gentle this week? Please, just for a couple minutes, about one minute. Why is the energy in the room so much smaller when we're talking about our being gentle than we talk about the theory of gentleness? What's, what's the difference? 
Are we not gentle? Are we not? Well, let's go there. When you hear gentleness, what are we talking about? What's the fruit of the Spirit? What's gentleness? What does it mean? Love and kindness is Jan. What else? Self-control. Okay. Gentleness, self-control. They're hooked together. Very good. Thanks, Val. Somebody else? What's gentleness? Opposite of anger. Okay. Opposite of anger, says Kathy. Somebody else? Joy says, how you talk to a baby. Talk to each other like you talk to a baby. Very good. Thank you, Joy. Somebody else? One more? Calm and collected. Okay. Good. Can I slide two, please? I'm on the bigger picture on the series before we go into gentleness. So I've been thinking about this a lot this week. What do you think about these sentences? I'm going, to put, I'm going to line them up together. First is, do you agree with the first sentence? Let me use myself. I am far more influenced by what I desire than what I believe. Is that true of you? Next sentence. So then if that's true, I can learn, you can learn a lot about me by learning what my habits Which then leads me to the third question. So, Kevin, what are you cultivating? So, do you agree with that first one? Do you believe that your desires have a stronger directional leadership in your life than what you believe? Is that true or not true? What do you think? True? You see why St. Paul, I read it in chapter 5, Galatians 5, he says what? and crucify your desires. And the Greek word there is your super desires. Why? Because our, listen now, I think this is true. I think our desires run us more than we believe. We think, we, we can think the things of God. I can think the Ten Commandments. I can think the Jesus prayer. I can think the 23rd Psalm. But I can live with, Kathy, anger, that gentleness. So my desire to be right is stronger than my believing I need to be a servant. So what I'm trying to poke at with this slide is asking us, as we're talking about this relationship with the Lord, where we're trying to be, develop His character, are you crucifying desires that are making you less like Jesus? And are you cultivating desires that make you more like you. What are your habits? Your hab our habits. You, you all know this. I'm sure you all know this. Real fast. We, our, neural our neural pathways basically take repeated actions and we just simplify them and become the habits we live in so that we don't have to think about so many things. So the reality is our habits define how we live. And our habits are determined by our desires. So whatever we're cultivating affects our desires, which impacts our habits, which reveals how we live. So all week long. So let me give you a word picture. <clears throat> I'm gonna, I think I got this right, so forgive me. It was an early morning reading three days ago. I think there's a tree. I think I read this right. It's called an A-D-L-E-R. I'll look it up this week to be sure. But it's found in desert areas and this tree has got a unique quality to it. Let me describe it for you. 
It's often found in desert areas. And so I want you to think about a, a Hebrew term for a, a, a water course, a place where there is no water. It's dry. It's a riverbed. But when it rains, it becomes a flood. An Adler tree, when the floods come, in, they, they, they often sit in the middle of these riverbeds. So just imagine, in the middle of a riverbed, there's this, this, this tree. And the water just rushes down very, very fast for a short amount of time. And the river grinds so quickly that that tree bends all the way down to the water. But what's crazy, when the water recedes, it does this. But there's another thing about this tree that's so interesting. It has what's called a taproot. And it goes down 40 feet in the desert. It goes down so far, it locates places of water 40 feet below the ground. An Adler tree can survive in the desert because it is connected to a water source that is so deep that when there is no water, it grows. Are you following my example? The analogy here? Cultivating a life in Jesus enables you when the storms come, to come back. And when you're in a desert place, when all is dry and horrible and things are dying, if your roots are deep, 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 you can survive and you can thrive. That's what we're talking about in the series. So our desires, what we desire influences our habits and what we cultivate affects how we live. Go with me now, please, to 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's look at this idea of gentleness. And I used this passage in September of 2019. And we're going to come back to it. I want to review that just a bit by using it. Let's remember the context. So 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 8 through maybe 16. So remember the context of 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter is written in the time of tremendous persecution. I told you the stories, Nero, this crazy, mentally ill, debauched leader, would do things like uh, imprison Christians, impale them, cover them with pitch, then light them on fire as he had his orgies on his property. It was crazy, 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 crazy amount of persecution went on. Horrific things. And to a persecuted people, Peter writes a letter. The pastor, whose name was Peter, writes a letter to a persecuted people. They are in exile. They're fleeing from Rome. Now look at this, chapter 3, verse 8. So the first verse, 8, is for each other. This is for believers. Verse 9 and following is, is how we live with non-believers. Finally, the, top, the title in verse 8, suffering for doing good. Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. So verse 8, that's how you're supposed to live with other believers. Like-minded, sympathetic, loving, compassionate, and humble. Now for people who are trying to kill you or persecute you, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because of this you were called. Why? So that, here's the purpose, you may inherit a blessing. For, now he quotes from Psalm 34. Whoever would love, love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. 
They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So verses 8 through 12 is what a gentle person looks like. Verse 13, who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Rhetorical question. But even if you should suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Don't be frightened. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have in the midst of exile and loss and pain. But do this with, what's the next word? Gentleness and respect. Keep in a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. People of God, these are the words of God. So slide four. Ancient philosopher wrote these words. Perhaps no grace is less prayed for or less cultivated than gentleness. Why do we not want... I hope you heard it. When we had this open question, what's gentleness? The room was loud. When I asked you if you were gentle, it got really quiet. I mean, the volumes were different. Why? Do you, do you typically play, Lord, make me gentle? And I often ask for wisdom. I can ask for love. I don't remember the last time I said, Lord, may I experience the fruit of your spirit in the specific kind of way called gentleness. Now, what's gentleness? So let me give you a, a, a real quick, slide five. Here's the definition. The, the word is praetis. It's defined as strength under control. And the best example is a great big horse. Imagine a great big horse on its two back, whatever the back things are carved, and he's got his hands doing this. What are these called? Legs? <laughs> I'm a city guy. What do I know? These things. Whatever, whatever horses, these things. And it's going like this, and its nostrils are snorting, and it's throwing its mane, and it's doing all this. You have this tremendously powerful animal. How do you control an animal? You take a little piece of metal, and you put it right here. And that great big animal becomes tame. That is a picture of power under control. You have tremendous power, each of us does, in some way, in some relationships. And those who are gentle of spirit are able, by the grace of God and a cultivated life, to keep their power under control. Because there's a second thing I've added to this as I was writing this morning. So not only is gentleness defined as strength under control, can I also suggest that gentleness requires a profound respect for the dignity of the other person? If I'm going to be gentle, I have to say, Lord, would you help me keep my power under control? But would you also help me to see that person as a person of great dignity, deserving respect? I've told you this story many times before. I'm going to clean it up because it goes online and I don't want to hear all of our email responses. Uh, 30 years ago, our church in California was going to do a, a, a daycare center for single moms. Our city in Paramount, there were 210,000 people living in a three-mile radius around the church. 3,000 single moms. Most of them had no access to any daycare. So we thought as a church family, let's, on one Sunday, let's take an offering 
Let's build a building and let's invite all these moms to take, let us help them care for their children for a nominal fee. That was our desire. We thought it was a great idea. Neighbor police officer gets angry, gets the LA Times involved, gets the Long Beach Press Telegram involved, almost a near riot at the city council meeting, and five members of our church who were presenting what we thought was a beautiful plan were being screamed at, yelled at, cursed at, all kinds of stuff. And the ringleader was a police officer, LA County Sheriff. And he just riled everybody up. To add things worse for me, he went to my parents' home, threatened my mother in uniform with his gun on his side, just made me madder than Hobbes. And I went to his house and knocked on his door and said, sir, if you ever do that, my mother again. And I don't want to tell you what I said next because the things you should never say. But I threatened the police officer. I said, if you ever do that, I will find you. So I'm hotter than hot. He's hotter than hot. The whole thing is blowing up. It's in the paper. It's in the media. Blah, 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 blah. At that moment, I carried complete anger. There was no gentleness in me. So my power was totally out of control. And I did not see him as a man deserving dignity. I saw him as all kinds of bad words. Do you see what I'm saying? It is easy. Well, you, you have righteous indignation. No, let me go a little farther. Give me slide uh, seven. See, one of the, no, go back to one. I'm sorry, six then. One of the challenges in processing gentleness is our pride. And so my pride in this story was, here's our church. We're going to raise a half. Get this. We took an offering and collected a half a million dollars 30 years ago. That's a lot of money in those days. It's a lot of money in these days. Because we wanted to build a place for these women with their children, blah, blah, blah. So fundamentally, what was driving my anger and my willingness, unwillingness to be gentle was my pride. LA Times, Long Beach Press Telegram, all the neighbors. <laughs> Righteous indignation? Not at all. That police officer, to me, was horrible. Do you see the difference between gentleness, which is power under control, which sees the dignity of the other person. See, now that's the cultivated life. So Jesus, when he's hanging on the cross, he sees the soldiers who have just beat him to shreds. Remember, they have whipped him so his entrails are hanging out. They have spat upon him, took off all his clothes, put a crown of thorns on, and here he is, buck naked. He is, his bowels are emptying. His bladder is emptying. He is bleeding and dying. And what does Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is gentleness. It is power under control. And that's what the Spirit wants to give us. As we, remember the tree? When the rivers come, the Adler tree bends with the waters that are rushing. It puts down those and goes back, puts down those roots, and it's right. Because, let me push. You have to cultivate a relationship with Jesus. Remember now? Word filling plus spirit filling leads to fruit bearing. It's not like, 
Jesus didn't say, okay, these guys just embarrassed me. They, they've done all these bad things. They beat me up. I'm going to be publicly gentle. When actually, now think about the, I want you to think about the story just a little bit, would you? How many universes do we know of? How many galaxies? How many solar systems are there? We don't even know. There's an untold number. And in the midst of one little, little solar system, there's this tiny, tiny little planet, little dink of a planet in one solar system among who knows how many. And in this one tiny little planet in one solar system, the one who created it all by speaking words decides to come in human form and be a baby born in a manger. You want to talk about gentleness? Power under control? Absolutely. The one who created all on a cross, getting beaten and killed by the people, many of whom are going to reject him? That is power under control. And we're here today because there's someone named Jesus who lived and died and rose, whose life is our ours. We are in Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And he is saying to us, I want to live my life through you. My dad said this to me a long time ago. My dad is 80 bunch. And he said to me, he said this to me for years, and I, 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 I'm, I'm slowly getting it. He said, do you understand the humility of God? He said to me, he said that to me many times. And it's starting to make sense to me. Pick a president that you like. Can you imagine any president you like and admire taking off his clothes, getting on his knees, and washing your feet? That's gentleness. That's power under control. And that's the life that Jesus wants to live through us. He wants to exhibit this from us. Let me go back. Go back to, um, let's, let's stay here. I'm sorry. Let's, I'm going to watch my time. Oh, my. Good old four things. <laughs> and Christian love. <laughs> Gentleness. <laughs> One of the big blocks for this gentleness, this cultivated life, is pride. It's our pride. Right? Who wants to be, who wants to appear weak? Who wants to be perceived to be meek? Who wants to be perceived as those who get slapped and turn the other cheek? Who wants to be that? Because pride says, no, look, I'm, I got it together. I got it together. I got, I got to tell you a funny story. You know, our stuff's online and stuff like that. Somebody who's not a believer, um, for some reason, particular Sunday when I, I talked about as an Enneagram 3, my sins of being a deceiver, an imposter, and a fearful one. And he emails me and says, you know, I'm not a believer and I believe all that crap, but I tell you what, if all pastors were as screwed up as you were, I think I might try a church once in a while. <laughs> and I said, so I emailed him back. I said, what are you talking about? He said, anybody that can stand in front of a thousand people and admit his sins is someone I'd be willing to have a relationship with. 
See, and pride says, I can't, I can't, I can't, can't reveal my, my dark side, my yuck stuff. But, but, but meekness says, this is who I am. Gentleness says, this is the person I am. I'm, I'm a broken person. The first service, we, we had a tender first service. Oh, my. And I'm sitting here, and then Marty and Diane Young are sitting right here. And Chandra begins to play. And she, I don't remember what song it was. But there was this gentle move of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, Marty and I are bawling. We're just, we're just weeping. So I'm supposed to pray after this he said a song. I don't think I even talk. Now, back in the day, I get it, suck it up and I go. I, was, I sat recently, get this. I sat recently with someone who was very influential in a different place. Very wealthy, very influential, very well known. And we start talking about stuff. I'm sitting with him and one other person. And I don't know why, but Kurt came to mind, my son, who died. I'm talking to this guy who's worth billions of dollars. And I am crying. He had no idea what to do with this. He said, what's wrong? I said, I'm just sad. Three years ago, if I was sitting with a famous person like that, I would have sucked it up. I would have heard it because I've got an image I've got to maintain. Not anymore. What do you want to know about me? How screwed up am I? How broken? How much I need grace? How much I need people to welcome me in brokenness and pain and loss? See, and pride says, no, nah, I've got to present, I've got to project, I've got to present. And that leads to self-promotion. Interesting. I talk about gentleness. So many of you know, Kyle wrote a piece, uh, a public piece on racism. And it's been interesting to read the responses to him. And one of the common criticisms is, you're just promoting yourself for personal reasons, probably for economic ones, and you're done with the NBA. And the culture, it's not written nearly that nice. And I said to Kyle, so how are you gonna, how are you gonna handle this? And he said, well, I'm gonna try to be like Jesus. Not gonna respond. He's gonna talk what he thinks he's being invited to talk about, about race and racism. But see, gentleness has this inner strength that comes from the Lord that allows us to be fully present of hunger for lack of his position, but fundamentally, it's, it's a lack of relationship with Jesus. So let's go to the next slide. So how do, how do we do, cultivate? How, how do we, what do we do to create space for the Holy Spirit to grow gentleness? I just did it. Own and confess sin. Dr. Daniel Fuller, one of my professors in seminary 40 years ago, said, once a year, everyone should come to church naked. <laughs> Thanks. Dr. Fuller said, that will get rid of a lot of pride and a lot of arrogance. When we confess our sin, there is something powerful about naming sin. Just owning it, acknowledging it. The Roman Catholics have been going way ahead of us and having an opportunity to come to a place and confess. But I think we have the opportunity with each other to just be bold enough in the spirit to say, this is where I'm weak, this is where I've sinned, this is where I've done wrong. I meet every month with a whole number of our elders, 
And one of them, for 20-some years, he asked me every month, are you keeping your pants up? Are you watching porn? Are you faithful lame? Every month for 27 years. That certainly helps. Keep your pants up. <clears throat> and if I'm watching porn, and I confess it to my friend, he hears my confession. And he says, in the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. We need to own our junk. Owning our junk, admitting it, confessing it to ourselves and to one other is powerful. How about pray for and bless an enemy? The police officer that I so disliked for so long. Recently, we were back in LA and I saw him. I was chasing a grandkid this way, but Lane saw him. And Lane talked to him. He had a wonderful exchange. And the man I've hated for so long is now someone that we can talk to and have a relationship with. We've had to work and pray for and bless an enemy who did something which I thought was inappropriate and wrong. But what I need to own was my own pride and my, my junk. Pray for those who persecute you, Jesus said. Pray for our enemies. How about this one? Forgive regularly. Forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. And for how many, Jesus was asked, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? What was Jesus' response? Seventy times seven. Meaning what? Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. I think another way to cultivate, cultivate gentleness is to submit. Let me ask, let me ask a, this, is, this, is a, this is a pointed question. Don't answer it. Just listen to it. Who do you submit to now? In this season of your life, who do you submit to? Let me push. If there's no one you can name, what does that tell us? If you do not have a person you choose to submit to, what does it say about you or me? I think this is the single most important concept for any relationship. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians 5.21. And a gent person who is cultivating gentleness is willing to submit. Why? Word-filling, spirit-filling leads to fruit-bearing. Well, can we just take a moment with the person next to you, if you're willing, if you're able, what's the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear right now? On your marks, get set, chat. What's the Lord saying to you right now? Okay, can a couple people just talk back? What, what's, what's the Holy Spirit prompting you? Anybody? Three or four people? What's, what, some, see what the Holy Spirit raises. Yeah, Mike. Oh, I love so much that she 
fact, he's a 140-pound mass that sleeps in bed with us. It's just crazy. You know, but that dog is so gentle that it just taught me that so, Mark, are you saying that the dog is really teaching you to be a gentle person, right? Now, think about that a little bit. Think about who our teachers are about gentleness. He said his wife teaches him, shows him gentleness, the dog. See, I think if we have eyes to see, there are people who are actually cultivating these fruits of the Spirit, and we can see and experience that. But, but I think, right, can I push this, okay? But Mike would be the first to admit that he, he's a proud person. So the Lord is saying, Mike, you're going to have to rough these edges out. You're going, to ha- you're going to have to become more humble. You're going to have to choose to be submissive. And, you know, I'm, going to, don't mean to, I'm not digging you. I'm going to tell a funny story. If the Lord can use the J-A-C-K-A-S-S, this is a story in the Old Testament, right? A donkey, a donkey teaches somebody. A dog can teach us. Listen. A tree can teach us. Eugene Peterson said, you want to grow in Christ, you stand and you look at a tree for hours. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you of the wonders of that living organism. And look to what that thing is and what it means. And just meditate. Look, look. There are all kinds of ways we have people who are living lives that reflect gentleness. Rachel, your prayer was fantastic. How long are you a follower of Jesus? How many years? Five or six years. And I listened to to Rachel's prayer. And that thing was reflective of a woman who is deepening a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. That was beautiful. It's beautiful. Anybody else? Gentleness. Okay, so back on the screen. So remember, gentleness is simply defined as strength under control. But what it is also is a seeing the other person as someone with dignity and value. If you find in your blogs, your posts, your letters, a diminishing of person. May I gently, as your pastor, say, there's something you might want to address in your heart. You know what the old grandmas teach their kids? If you don't have something nice to say. I just bought three bars of ivory soap yesterday. And I just put them next to where I brush my teeth every morning to remind me. Kevin, if you don't have something nice to say, shut up. Carry the fruit of gentleness. We pray together. Lord, we pray that we would more and more be like you. We thank you that you have showed us the way and you've given us your spirit. So will you take a moment, if there's a person or a situation where gentleness might be needed or might be a good gift? Could you pray into that situation, please? Where might your strength under control be a good gift to someone or some situation?
If there is any sin connected to pride in your life, could you take a moment and confess that to the Lord? In your mind's eye, leave it at the cross. But name the junk that blocks the bearing of gentleness. And now would you pray for a spirit filling? Will you say, Lord, fill me to overflowing with the goodness of your spirit's presence that I'd want to have a life with you and your life would be lived through me. Hear our prayers, Lord, before we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen.